Here we go. You're listening to Rumination Tuesday, Law and Gospel, when we listen to a hymn and analyze it. And the hymn this time is On Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry. Yes, that is the first two verses of On Jordan's Bank, the Baptist cry. Most hymns in the Lutheran hymnal from the 18th century were either written in English or translated from the German. This hymn is an exception. It was written in Latin by the rector of the University of Paris, Charles Coffin, who died in 1749. And it was put in the 1736 edition of the Paris Breviary. It was mistaken for a hymn of the early church. But then the hymn was appointed for lauds, the morning office on weekdays during Advent. The first two standards, standards, stanzas conveyed the message of preparation. It's the hymn of the day for Advent 2, the three-year series. The hymn is also appropriate for Advent 3, when the gospel continues the account of John the Baptist. So, Mark Smith, have you had enough of John the Baptist? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm ready for another dose. I like, I like him during Advent, uh, but we do get a lot of him uh, Later on, especially if uh, uh, the nativity of John the Baptist falls near a Sunday, too. You got that later on in, uh, I think, in Epiphany sometime. Oh, but, yes. Uh, I, like, I like this hymn. I do prefer, I prefer the Puer Nobis tune, but that's a pretty tune that you just played, too. Right. Okay. So, uh, are you going to be singing it this Sunday? Definitely. We're going to be opening with that. Yes. Oh, excellent. Yes, we're going to be singing it also, particularly since the reading from Luke 3 is all about John the Baptist. Right. Namely, what I found interesting, the first two verses are nothing but history. In the year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being pet tetrarch of galilee and his brother philip and it goes on and on yeah which shows that scripture is really historical that's right well as theological so without further ado why don't you go ahead with stanza one <laughs> 
Okay. On Jordan's bank, the Baptist's cry announces that the Lord is nigh. Awake and hearken, for he brings glad tidings of the King of Kings. Yes. Jordan is, of course, a very important river. It was really the river that separated, did it not, when the people of Israel left the wilderness and went into the land of Canaan? That's right. It separated about like the, uh, uh, the that arm Red of the sea. Red Sea uh, separated for them. Now, have you ever taken a trip to the Holy Land? No, but I had an aunt that went to the Holy Land once, and she actually bought us brought us back a bottle of Jordan River water. And really? we used that Jordan River water to baptize my niece, I think, many a number of years ago, yes. Yeah, I had a member whose father was a pastor. The member and his wife had a baby, and they asked if the father could do the baptism. He was Missouri Synod, no problem at all. And he brought in a jar of this Jordan water. Now, did yeah. you use it for other baptisms also? No, I just had enough just for one baptism. Well, all you had to do is pour it back in the bottle. Well. <laughs> I know, I know. You know, I don't know. Other than other than uh, the word accompanying the water, I don't know what else was in that river water from the Jordan. <laughs> exactly. And guess what? It's simple water. Yes. Because what makes the baptism sacramental? It's God's word and his promise connected to yes. it. And, and of course, the, the Trini Trinitarian name. Boy, have you ever had accidents happen or things you don't want to remember when you're baptizing people? <laughs> I remember my... Uh, my bishop, that's the supervisor when you're on vicarage. I remember yes. one time we got up to the uh, baptismal font, and there was no water in it. <laughs> wow. So we said, we will now sing uh, one more baptismal hymn. And, and luckily, uh, fortunately, the uh, the organist was on the ball and could play that hymn. So we sang another hymn while uh, while we managed to get some more water poured into that font. And you see, it's got to be a certain temperature. You don't sure. want ice cold water. No, or oh, too hot. No, no, exactly. Uh, I had a not a very good situation. I was baptizing five people at once. They were from two families, uh -huh. but two of them were infants. And so uh -huh. the father had held the infant kind of with his head facing the baptismal font, he was holding his stomach. And as he put the infant down near the water, the infant threw up. Oh, boy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah so, that's an awkward moment. <laughs> that was an awkward moment. I don't know. I hear stories about my uh, brother-in-law when, when he was an infant, uh, spit on his pacifier in the baptismal water. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, but that's well, it. You know, that was no big deal. No, no, that made it holy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so he announces that the Lord is nigh, which is just another word for near. Right. Awaken and hearken, for he brings glad tidings of the king of kings. Now, the first king is capitalized, 
but the second one isn't. No. Why is that? Well, because uh, all other kings must bow uh, in in reverence to the to the king. Jesus is the king. He's the king. He's the king of kings and lord of lords, and he's, he's over all kings. One. He reigns supreme. Yes, very good. All right, I'll do stanza two. Then cleansed he every life from sin, make straight the way for God within, and let us all our hearts prepare for Christ to come and enter there. Now, it's kind of interesting that the Old Testament reading is from Malachi, and it's also about the preparer, the messenger who's going to prepare the way. And it says, before me. And then the very next sentence is, and the Lord said. So that was the task of John the baptizer. How is a baptism of repentance preparing the way for the king of kings? Well, that's what he was doing. He was involved in uh, baptizing in the, in the River Jordan and uh, reminding people that uh, someone much more mighty than, mightier than he was was uh, coming uh, very soon. And the whole, and that's a theme of Advent is to prepare. Uh, well, like that one passage that talks about uh, uh, prepare the royal highway before him. Uh, the uh, the the hills be leveled and the rough places plain. Uh, talking the there valleys, about law and gospel. Valleys be filled. Right. Yes. In other words, if if you're pompous and you think you've got it made on your own, you need to be leveled. And uh, if you're if you feel like oh God would never want me anyway, there's no way, there's no way that a Savior can forgive my sins. That person needs to be brought up. He needs to hear the the, the gospel. It's law and gospel is what they're talking about there. Exactly, and that was also the message of Jesus in the earlier chapters of Mark, that he had come with a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And so what I was asking is, how do those two fit together? Nobody, let's say you take somebody to a wonderful restaurant and they have a great meal, and then you get them in the car and you take them to a big buffet at a Chinese restaurant. Guess what? They're not going to be hungry. No. So how do we make people hungry for Jesus? You preach the law. Yes, you, you well bring said. them bring them to their knees. You preach the law to bring them to their knees to help them realize, oh boy, I am lost and damned without a, without a savior. There's no there's no hope for me apart from a savior. We examined Romans three nineteen to twenty eight a few weeks ago, where it said nobody gets saved by the law. Because the purpose of the law is to SOS, show our sins. Show us our sins. Show us our sins, right. That's right. And, and the gospel shows us our Savior. Yes, another SOS. But law has to proceed. I always like liking it to 
uh, you go to a doctor for your regular checkup, and he finds that you have an illness of which you are unaware of, maybe a virus or something like that, and then he prescribes medicine. Now, if you walk in and he's prescribing medicine to you, you're not going to want to get it until you hear what? Right. The, hear, the, hear the need. You hear the, the uh, diagnosis. What do I yes. got? Right. Who wants medicine are, that they don't need, you know? There are so many people who don't think they need the forgiveness of sins because they don't imagine themselves as big a sinner as God regards them. So, by the way, what's your Advent theme this year? Well, the first week is the gift. I'm, I, I like to do a lot of singing during Advent. We're going to have three uh, Wednesdays of Advent, and the first one is focusing on the gift. Uh, the gift presented, the gift used, and the gift abused. Are you talking about the birth? The gift of a Savior. Oh, okay. All right. And well, have you got the next two? Yes, but I don't have them. I don't have them yeah. at my fingertips right now. Sure, that's fine. Yeah, um, I'm going to be doing the word "behold." Do you know how many times the word "behold" is found in the Bible? Oh, a lot. Uh, yeah, a lot. And. What I'm going to be doing with it is showing its true meaning. Behold does not just mean see something. It also means understanding it. Yes. So that when we talk about Palm Sunday, behold, and the king is coming into Jerusalem, yeah. most of the people there had no understanding what that meant. That's they right. They thought he was a great man. He had done miracles and such. They wanted to make him a bread king. But to the idea that he was entering into Jerusalem in order to be put to death on Friday yes. and then rise from the dead. No, that was, that was only in the minds of a few, like that woman who anointed his yes. uh, hair and such. Are you so, going to bring to bear? Are you going to bring to bear the the behold that Pilate said when Pilate said, "Behold the man"? Are you going to bring that to bear in your in your presentation? There's about four hundred times the word "behold" is in there. And is that and one of I'm them? Trying to do it is with Advent. That would be good for Lent. Okay. Yeah. So we're in the Advent season, although I keep calling it this Wednesdays in Lent, boy. Yeah. All right. Uh, stanza three, please. Sure. We hail thee as our Savior, Lord, our refuge and our great reward. Without thy grace, we waste away like flowers that wither and decay. So if we're talking about law and gospel, how can you possibly understand when it says our refuge and our great reward? Because reward is usually thought of, of something you get because of something you have done. How do we understand that in this context? Well, he's our, he's our refuge. He's, no, it's, 
it's a reward that he himself has won for us on the cross, but uh, it's a gift for us. It's not something we've earned or deserved. It's it's an absolutely free gift. No, that's a really good distinction, that it's something that he has won for us. It's like you're in the Olympic races and you come in last, but the fellow who comes in first, he gives you the gold crown and you stand on the stage as though you were first in line. That's what Jesus does for us. That's right. Except it's the righteousness of God. That's, that's kind of why I liked uh, last week's Old Testament lesson when they were referring to the church. It says, God is our righteousness. Yes, that's right. That's, that's the name, the Lord, our righteousness. He is our righteousness. He, he has uh, traded ours, all of our sins, take all of our sins upon himself, and in exchange, we call it the great exchange, he gives us his righteousness, which he earned for us on the cross, the robe of righteousness, which, which we receive already in our baptism. And what does verse 3 indicate is what God gives us so that we don't waste away. Without thy grace, we waste away. Oh, grace, without, that sounds Without familiar. his grace, that's, uh, that's undeserved mercy, right? No. What is it? What is grace? How would you just, you know, you always give that. Um, I always give the three and you never And I can never it. remember it. No, mercy is not getting what you deserve. Right. Grace is getting what you don't, don't deserve. deserve. Don't deserve. Right. Okay. Yes. And justice is getting what you deserve. And okay. nobody wants that. Yeah, that's right. So, we don't want... No, that's right. We don't want justice for ourselves. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that's karma. Because we know what we deserve. Yes. So it's by God's grace, and he has a very, very gracious attitude towards us. And then so I'll read stanza four. Lay on the sick thy healing hand and make the fallen strong to stand. Show us the glory of thy face till beauty springs in every place. Now, how do you explain that to a child as to how to show the glory of the face of Christ? Well, I probably tie that into the uh, the ironic benediction: "The Lord bless thee and keep thee; the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee; That's the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace." Uh, I've always talking. I've always taken that that middle verse: "The Lord uh, show his face." How do I, how did I how did I say that? <laughs> Yeah, now that I said it, I can't remember it. The Lord yeah. bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his make face his to face shine, shine upon thee. Upon that's me. what Jesus that's what Jesus did for us. He revealed he he shows the Father's grace to us uh through his own taking on human flesh and uh and forgiving us and healing us. Don't forget the healing that it talks about. Lay on the sick by thy healing hand. And what's the last line of that ironic benediction? Uh, the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. 
Now, I did that in a Bible study, and I said, you've heard that many a time. What does countenance mean? And there were only two people in the Bible study who knew what it meant. And all these years, they've been hearing that benediction and had no idea what the word countenance means. What, what does it mean? You tell me, Tom. His face. Oh, okay. That's his yes. face, too. He's going to be looking to you. You are his treasure. And as his treasure, he never leaves you nor forsakes you. And therefore, you want him looking for you. I That's was right. working with an individual who was having a tough time, and it was hard for them to realize that Jesus was always with them. Yes. And then we use this countenance, and this is a blessing. And they were very comforted by that. Yeah, so you could also times, say, you could also say, he never takes his eyes off of you. And who yeah. would want him to? Exactly. And when his eyes are on you, yeah. On, on Friday, I'm going to do something very interesting on KFUO. It's normally open mic Friday, but um, I've been getting some emails from people who remember that years ago, I did a few broadcasts on a book called The Shack. You remember that? Yeah, I vaguely remember it, Tom. Well, I just so happened to see the movie. There's a movie about it. And I'm watching this movie, and I, it was over two and a half hours long. And I thought I'd see a little bit and then go the next day. No, I couldn't put it down. No kidding. It sounds like a Lutheran wrote it. It's just amazing because this man ends up going to a shack where he meets God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he also meets in, in a cave wisdom, uh, a woman. And what they have to say is absolutely marvelous. But one of the things Jesus does, he gets in a boat the man does, and he's out in the middle of the lake and the boat starts filling with water. And so he gets real worried and Jesus says, keep your eye on me and I will be with you. Then guess what Jesus does? He walks on the water over to the man on the sea. And then the man is asked, Will you walk with me on the sea? And the man said, I can't do this. And then Jesus says something along these lines. Without me, you cannot. But with me, you can. Yeah. And then the two of them are seen walking on the lake. It's a brilliant piece of photography because I thought they were on stones. But they go into the middle of the lake. There couldn't be those many stones out there. So <laughs> it was just really something to watch. Huh. And there is a lot of theology in the shack. Uh, part of the reason people don't like it is God the Father is seen as a black woman and then later on as a white man. Hmm. Uh, the Holy Spirit, I believe, is a Japanese or Korean woman, and then Jesus is an Indian. And so hmm. they have trouble understanding that. But I'm going to explain that on Friday. So that's going to be 
uh, the shack, I, I think I want to respond to people who are asking uh, what I think about it. Okay. All right. Stanza five, please. This is my favorite stanza of all. All praise, eternal Son, to thee, whose advent sets thy people free, whom with the Father we adore and Holy Spirit evermore. That's a doxological verse. It has a little triangle in front of it in the hymnal. And that means we stand for it because all persons of the Trinity are mentioned. Is that why it's your favorite verse? No, it's just funny. that It's funny, um, you know, it talks about John the Baptist early on, but this verse reminds you that it's really all about Jesus. Yes. All praise, eternal Son, to thee, whose advent sets... And, and it ties in Advent. It actually mentions Advent. And, uh, and it says, whose advent sets thy people free. Um, I, I, there's something about that line I just love. Well, because there is more than one Advent. There's the yeah. Christmas stable. Right. There's the Advent when he comes into your heart. Right. And there's the Advent on Judgment Day. Right. And there's the Advent of Palm Sunday. When yeah. When you start looking at it, you see his comings all over the place. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Pastor Mark Smith. That was on Jordan's back, the back bank, the Baptist cry, the hymn for this coming week. Tomorrow on Law and Gospel, we're going to start a new series. I have been very impressed as I am studying the book of Proverbs. You will not believe what I'm going to be saying tomorrow because I didn't know it either. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.